Welcome to All Things Pilates, Season 4. Though we can't know exactly what Joseph Pilates was thinking or feeling towards the end of his life, we do know he wanted the entire world to practice Contrology. And that want has certainly become a reality. Hello everyone, I'm Darian Gold. And here on All Things Pilates, we discuss the man, the method, and how his genius continues to influence and inspire. There is no machine that man has invented that can compete with the complexity of our own human spine. The spine is a masterpiece of science and art a pillared tapestry of bones, muscles, joints, nerves, and connective tissue. But sometimes our spines fail us. They either can no longer keep us upright, or disease has decreased normal range of motion, or there is simply the pain of wear and tear. However, there might be help for these types of issues, and with us to discuss them is Gwen Miller, an integrated therapist who specializes in spinal pathology. Gwen has developed, written, and taught an array of continuing education workshops and courses on various spinal pathologies, such as scoliosis and osteoporosis. She conducts classes on balance, stabilization, and interval training. Gwen is a continuing education provider through the Pilates Method Alliance, NACPT, American Council on Exercise, International Association of Yoga Therapists, and Yoga Alliance. Now, Gwen is also a published author. North Atlantic Books, a subsidiary of Penguin Publishing, will release Gwen's book in May of 2023. Gwen's book, Safe Movement for All Spines, is a guide to spinal anatomy and how to work with 21 spine and hip conditions. Hello, Gwen. Welcome to the show. Hello, Darian. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Gwen, right off the top, will you explain what spinal pathology is? A spinal pathology is any condition that impacts the normal functioning of the spine. And this can be, as you mentioned, a disease process, a wear and tear process, a trauma such as an injury. And there are many, many different types of spinal pathologies that can impact the human spine and our movement. I'm curious, will we all end up with some kind of spinal pathology in our life as we age? Not necessarily, although according to WHO, 80% of adult humans develop some type of back pain within their lifetime. Sometimes this happens and then goes away and sometimes it occurs and it becomes chronic or stays with us. So back pain is not necessarily a correlation with an injury or a wear and tear. However, these do make up a great proportion of people who have back pain. 
Is this field of study an extension of your Pilates training or vice versa? This field of study is an extension of all my training. I became fascinated with spinal pathologies very early on, both due to my grandmother's diagnosis of osteoporosis in her 70s and seeing her suffer from the effects of they just didn't really know what to do back in the uh, 1970s for someone who had osteoporosis. They knew exercise, but not enough. And in my 40s, I developed degenerative disc disease and degenerative joint disease in my spine due to a lifetime of being overweight and having poor posture. So I have a very personal interest. I've been fascinated with how we can move and how we can move safely and well and without pain to help heal and retain and reinvent our quality of life through movement for people with impacted spines. Who is the readership for your upcoming book and what do you hope the reader gets out of your book? The readership, my intention is everybody. My intention is that anyone who has a spinal, sacral, or hip variant or pathology can pick up the book and can understand what is happening with their body via understanding the diagnosis that they've been given and that teachers, medical doctors, physical therapists, uh, anyone who picks up the book in a clinical setting can use it as a resource guide for those conditions and refer the book to their clients or patients to be able to use it as a guideline for movements. This would be including Pilates instructors and yoga instructors. That's correct. Since I am a personal trainer and a Czech practitioner specializing in corrective exercise and a Pilates instructor and a yoga instructor and yoga therapist and a Hendrickson Method manual therapist, I have sought to bridge all of those modalities in my book. I feel that many of us are cross-trained, therefore we have more tools to work with than we would if we had a single focus and that we have only so many ways the human body can move. So when we're teaching someone in Pilates versus yoga versus fitness training, we're instructing them in very similar movements. We're just using a different language. And I have sought to bridge those modalities so that we have a commonality of movement and teaching people more than just say this for that, this exercise, you do it this way for that thing, teaching people how to think about the movement so that the instructor and through them, their client becomes empowered to continue moving. We know movement is the most important thing we can do to, to maintain our health as we age. Well said. You did mention two other modalities besides yoga and Pilates, and maybe our listeners aren't aware or haven't heard of Czech or Hendrickson. Can you explain? I see. A Czech practitioner 
is a pretty high level uh, instructor who has taken courses from Paul Check in corrective holistic exercise kinesiology. And Paul Check is brilliant and self-taught and has not been tremendously good at marketing himself outside of the fitness world, unfortunately, because he has so much to offer. This is the man who brought the idea of corrective exercise into fitness, and he also brought the Swiss ball or the large physio ball into fitness settings from physical therapy. And Hendrickson method is a soft tissue mobilization, joint mobilization and muscle energy technique blend that Dr. Thomas Hendrickson developed over a 50 year career and has taught myself and many others how to perform. And it is a absolutely life-changing modality. Wow. Okay. In your book, there are 21 spine and hip conditions that you chose to dissect, write about, explain. First thing is why 21? I'm thinking, okay, is it the legal age for <laughs> some sort of issue in the body? Why 21? And then can you give us perhaps a few examples of these conditions and how you would how you would help with these? Okay, so 21, there was no intention on my part of coming up with that number. That was the publisher. Uh, the publisher and their uh, experts in getting books out into the population, they like numbers. So I went through and counted what I had written about. It added up to 21. And actually, by the time the book comes out, it's going to be more like 23 or 24, because now I'm going through the copy editing process, which is a lot of fun. I don't remember the second question. Sorry, Darian. What was it? Can you give us some examples of these conditions and how your book addresses them and how you would help with these conditions? So the conditions include disc herniation and derangement, osteopenia and osteoporosis. These are what I call flexion intolerance spinal pathologies. In other words, the general guidelines that we all are aware of is to avoid flexion when someone has this going on. Then we have a what I call an extension intolerant spinal pathology group, which is spinal stenosis, spondylolysis, spondylolisthesis, ankylosing spondylitis, and these are ones that could cause pain or even worse, create harm if someone goes into extension, which is the opposite movement of the spine that would be back bending. Then I also have covered hips, hip variants, not just hip replacements, but different structural variants in hips, sacral issues, SI joint dysfunction, which we sometimes know of as causing sciatica and hypermobility, which was a very interesting chapter to write. I actually, in my research, learned a lot more than I thought I knew about. Oh, share, tell us, tell us. And then scoliosis. Well, so how do you, the book is structured so that I have an introduction that, that outlines the story of a real person who actually I know that has the condition in the chapter. 
So it's a personal connection. Yes. And it starts out with what is it? So I go into the background information of what is this thing? What do these words mean? When someone receives their diagnosis and they want to understand better what this means and how it impacts them, I'm explaining that. The what do I do section has some general guidelines that can be extrapolated into life and movements. And there are sample exercise section that comes next that a person who has the condition can safely use to begin exercising. And also this can be copied off and given to clients by practitioners, Pilates, yoga, fitness instructors. I want to make it easy for everyone. The um, ADLs, there's activities of daily living that get into things like functional movements, even how do you sleep? What is a recommended sleeping position? That's a huge deal. And there are red flags and assessments for instructors to use with clientele and rules of thumb and props to use with the people who have these particular issues. And then specific examples from Pilates repertoire, yoga poses, and fitness exercises for the person, things to modify or avoid, and things to emphasize so that we can develop a red thread between the different modalities and also a way of thinking about in general what ranges of movement or activities are not good and which ones are. So the end of the book, actually has a a small chapter on what to do if you have a client or you're in a body where the diagnoses seem conflicting. So what if you have spinal stenosis with a disc bulge, right? How do you make that decision on what to do? And if you have a uh, scoliosis. Okay, wait, 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 let me stop you right there. Okay. So a stenosis would inhibit you from doing extension, but a herniated disc would inhibit you from doing flexion. That's right. So now we have a, now we have a conflict of how do you treat, you know, this person in your studio? And I don't want to use treat, it's a medical term, but how do you work with this person? So I have a chapter on just outlining a way of thinking, a framework that up-levels the practitioner's use of the information to be able to make a decision tree on what is the priority. So in very simple terms, the priorities will be which one will cause harm if it's not dealt with as the priority. So in a disc bulge versus stenosis issue, the back bending and stenosis will cause pain, but likely not harm. Forward flexion in a disc bulge may worsen the disc bulge. Therefore, the forward flexion is the one that has to be avoided while we deal with, there are techniques in the book for helping someone actually begin to the process of healing their own disc bulge. Okay, so that is in the book as a resource. Did you have a student like this that had a stenosis and had some sort of disc issue? Oh, yes. And you were successful? Yes, absolutely. Is that documented in your book? I 
do have, I don't have direct case studies as such in my book. Maybe that's your next book, Gwen. Well, actually what I'm doing with information like that is, is including that in the course based on the book. So I have a continuing education course for instructors that's called the Dynamic Spine, Safe Movement for All Spines and Hips. And that one is in its beta year right now, although I am accepting some beta students right away. It's an evergreen enrollment course. So each module stands on its own. There are nine modules, one for each spinal pathology. And when I'm teaching the course, I'm adding in information like that that is more, it's a higher level for teachers that are interested in the course of study. Not always, if I, if I added in a case study for every single case, the book would be gigantic. You'd need a hand truck <laughs> to get it out the door. It's already going to be 400 pages. So in addition to the, the information in the book, though, I do want to mention there are thumbnail photos of the, of the exercises, and I am filming exercise videos that will be on a website dedicated to the book. So if someone learns better by hearing and doing, for example, than visually reading, they can go on to the website, safemovementforallspines.com. There will be a password inside the front cover of the book. They purchased the book and then they've got not only the book, but they've got these video resources. Wonderful. Yeah. You've been really busy and I'm wondering when you had this idea to do this because you were first, the impression probably from your heart space was your grandmother, correct? Yeah. And then your own challenges. What other kind of research did you actually have to conduct to put this piece together and how long did it take you? Oh, it's it's been a long process. The book actually started in my head maybe <laughs> yes. five or six years ago. And I kept trying to figure out how do I present this massive amount of information in a way that's readable. And I had a couple of false starts that I just started writing. Like one of the false starts was a book that started out with assessment and I got through the assessment chapter and I was like, this is so boring. No one's ever going to read this. You know, this isn't usable at all. And what about people who actually have the condition? They're not going to care. They just want to know what to do. So I finally, I noodled around on that for a few years and finally hit on, okay, I'm just going to make it one chapter per condition. And I'll just do the conditions that I feel like most teachers have a not maybe not fear, but a little trepidation of dealing with. And but it's it's things that we get referred to by physicians and physical therapists. Right? We're we're a bridge between the physician and physical therapy medical world and people just returning to their quality of life. We bridge it. So so many Pilates and yoga instructors and personal trainers get referrals like this. So how do we serve this population? How do we up-level our skills? And how do I help those people? And my goal is to help a lot of people. So once I hit on that idea, I began writing. And I sat down and wrote for a year. And I just wrote out of my head. I just wrote what I knew. 
Meanwhile, I had my friend and colleague, Shelly Mogul, who's an exercise physiologist, proofing the early versions of the book. And I had clients reading it and some colleagues and students reading it, uh, the early versions and getting feedback. And so by the time I found my publisher and sent it in, the chapters had already gone through three and four revisions. And Shelly kept telling me, you're going to need a source citation for this thing and that thing, right? And I was like, yeah, 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 sure. I'll do that when I need to. Well, the publisher sent the book back and said, you need source citations for all these things. So I had to go through a process. It was a lengthy process, not researching to find out things I didn't know, but researching to prove that what I knew was correct. And that was amazing. It it took a long time. The research uh, validated things I knew. It taught me things I didn't. And it turned on its ear a couple of things I thought I knew that more recent research had now cast doubt upon or completely thrown out. Wow. That was a blessing then that they sent you back that note and said, you know, got to cite everything. Well, you you have to. If you're going to write a book on something that is technical, so even if you're yeah, if you're trying to make it usable for the regular human being, which is my goal to write in plain language, yet you're making statements that are fact, it has to be backed up. So it was uh, yeah, it was humbling and invigorating all at the same time. What has been one of the most interesting aspects or things that you've learned about the spine along the way that has maybe piqued your interest for not necessarily another book, but it's just brought in what already exists and lives in your in your mind? Is there anything about the spine that that keeps you in awe, for example? Well, well to say that I'm in awe of the power of the human body to heal would be an understatement to realize that in our human bodies we have an innate desire to heal and be well and that sometimes we just need the guidance to make that happen the environment, knowing what to do. It's so important. The interest that I have, I've, I've always been fascinated by scoliosis. This is what I consider my ultimate spinal pathology. And it's an area, as you know, that I've extensively studied and specialize in. And scoliosis is so often coupled with hypermobility. And I thought I knew about hypermobility and I have learned so much more than I previously knew about hypermobility through writing this book. I um, have sent out the the book to many, many colleagues who are experts in their fields for feedback. That chapter in particular, I received feedback that I was barely scratching the surface. I almost threw the chapter out. I honestly almost did. Yet something spoke to me because 
in the research, the feedback that I received, the resources that a person donated her time and chooses to remain anonymous. I couldn't even, I asked her permission to, to include her in the acknowledgements of the book. And she was like, no, I'd rather stay behind the scenes. And I am so, so grateful for her input. She set me on a path of realizing and researching. And I found out through the research that people with hypermobility syndromes and, and specifically more women than men wait 24 years for a diagnosis often of Ehlers-Danlos hypermobility, for example, in which they're chasing around trying to figure out why their body doesn't work for them. And what's Say that happening. again. Say that condition again. Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. Was that named after a person? It's Yes, named after the doctors, the researchers who identified it. And it was stunning to me when I was doing my research and researching into pain science and looking at how can I serve this population. And I really became inspired to just totally rewrite that chapter because when someone is suffering for two decades with a condition that they don't understand that they're being told their pain and their symptoms are in their head, that is, it's, it's not okay. And I- How does it present? Well, it's, well, there's so many different conditions that go with it. That's all in the hypermobility chapter. The, the, the issue really is that there are a, a multiple symptoms that can present and when they're presenting together, those are, I will call them red flags for a further diagnosis, a diagnosis of joint hypermobility or hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos. And we as practitioners, no matter what, when we have someone who has symptoms, if we can take a, a step back and have a view of what someone is going through and really listen to them and honor what they're telling us Sometimes you can suggest to someone, you know, you might want to go to your doctor and rule this thing out, which is, that's how I always say it, because I don't want to scare people. And in the process of writing the book, I realized that I was in fact working with a woman who had so many of these symptoms and I was, it gives me chills right now to think about it. I talked with her about it and sent her the chapter and I said, you know, you might this, this could explain a lot. What kind of symptoms? Like in the, in, the, in the spine, in the musculature? Well, you can have musculoskeletal pain, urogenital pain and dysfunction. There are diagnoses, um, female pelvic disorders, interstitial cystitis is one that comes to mind a variety of what would seem like really random symptoms altogether that point in the direction of there is a soft tissue dysfunction going on globally in the person's body. It's not always just the spine. Hypermobility itself is really not necessarily a spinal pathology, but I included it because it does create back pain 
exercise again is the answer, you know, and even loading the person progressively with heavier weights and helping them to, you know, we always thought like, don't you think as a, as a Pilates instructor, Gary, and you have someone who's hypermobile and you think, okay, we're going to keep them within their mid range of movement, Right. I mean, that's what we were all told. That's what I was told. And what I found is that, yes, we need to start there. But at some point, that person needs to be able to manage their joints and their end ranges. If we always keep them in their mid-range, and yet they have a much larger range, are we serving them by doing that? Are we, in fact, tightening anything up? We're, we're really not. It's really not going to change the structure of their tissue, their soft tissue. So we have them learn the movements in a mid-range, and then we allow them to expand into a larger range so that they learn to control their body and their actual range of motion that's available in their joints. So this was a huge discovery for me as an instructor. And it helps people feel better to be able to work and to understand the why, be able to move, to load their joints and get stronger and free of back pain. So the client that I was just telling you about earlier, since we've been loading her a little bit more and I gave her some of the exercises in the book and working with her on that as a home program, she's having days where she has no back pain. Mm, It's wonderful. Awesome. It is awesome. Fantastic. Helping the world one spine at a time. Yes. And she's probably happier and happier. Feels better in her body and more confident. Well, that's just it. No, uh, that's just it. I mean, most of us will not be well known beyond our realm of influence. Most of us will be, you know, just people will not know who we were after we're gone. But that doesn't really matter. If your work with someone helps that person so that they have a better life, maybe they're just flat out kinder to their children Mm. and their children grow up without a grumpy mama or papa. Mm. Who knows? That child could do something really phenomenal or not. Maybe they're just a happy person and we spread light into the world. But I do feel that our influence spreads like a ripple effect. And the more people that we can help, the better off everyone is, the more light we can give. Did you ever want to be a preacher? Did I ever want to be a preacher? I am an ordained <laughs> minister with the Universal Life Church. I married, yeah, I, I was- Oh, the, I didn't know that. I was the officiant of a friend's wedding about- I don't, I forget, eight years ago or something like that. So my mother was an ordained interface. Oh my God, it's just the vibe I'm picking up from you right now. <laughs> my biological father is an ordained Methodist minister. <laughs> it's in your DNA. <laughs> I feel very, very strongly that the connection that we have with people is from the heart. We're all working to help people because we are all innately healers. There's no question. And where does healing come from? It comes from our heart. It comes from our connection with others. So when we work with someone, 
it's, it's not just rote for us. It's a coming from a deep caring. Yes. Uh, I remember Ramana standing in front of the reformer. I don't know how many people there were on the reformers, but she said that you, I don't know, I'm going to paraphrase, but basically when you're teaching someone and you're stand, you're not actually moving, but you're moving inside and with them. And it's as if you are in their body. So there, there's, there is this connection right away with your student or students that keeps that sort of uh, intangible, the intangibles alive and prospering. You can't always define it, but you are, you are in the experience with the student. And because of that, it's a very organic process if when it's time for you to give a cue or a correction, you're right in line with the student. It's not like you're saying by rote. You're like their twin. You're in there with them. And that is an extension of who we are on the inside. Yes. And they now have labels for that. And Ramana couldn't have been more right about that. We always say Pilates and yoga, we really have to feel it. We really have to get it in our bodies. But that feeling of you are right there, your body is doing what they're doing, you're feeling what they're feeling, you're empathic with the person that you're working with, that's entrainment and coherence. You entrain the person that you're working with to your heart energy. And the coherence is the two of you are now beating as one heart, if you will. It's it's amazing that these sort of woo-woo subjects, these kind of metaphysical things, they're now being proven to be true. We do have an energy field. You, everybody knows that when someone walks into the room and they're having a bad day and they're projecting it, you can, you're like, whoa, right? If conversely, someone walks into the room and they're just Happy. bubbling over with joy, you feel that too. How do you feel that? That's their energy. That's their energy field coming to you. So all of that is is true. And, and I think it's important for us to remember as teachers and practitioners and healers that we need to set our intention when we're working with others to make sure that we have the best possible intention and energy going into a session. Clean intention. Clean intention. Yeah. You know, please let my thoughts, words, and deeds be for the greater good. You know, please let me help. Well, you definitely have preacher energy around you for sure. It's beautiful, beautifully expressed as always, Gwen. Okay. So your book, I'm excited. I can't wait to get it. Your book is going to be out next year, basically, almost not even a year, May 2023. Can people prepay or pre-register? Well, right now there's not an avenue to do that. But if someone wants to find out more about the book, be on an email list for the release, find out more about the course, I welcome emails to my private email address, which is Amy at sonic.net. So G-W-E-N-A-M-Y at sonic.net. 
and I'm happy to make a list of people who are interested in purchasing the book for a resource and finding out more about the course. And I'm also uh, have a YouTube channel now, Gwen Miller Studio on YouTube, that I'm releasing one video a week of a spine safe mat class, which I uploading recordings I did of a community service class that I did during COVID. Wonderful. And are you on Instagram and Facebook? I am. I'm on Instagram as I don't I don't think it's just Gwen Miller. She doesn't and <laughs> well, here's the thing is I'm not super good at marketing myself yes. like so many of us. Well, so I'm learning that and healing. I have someone helping me with yeah. it. Yes. Right. One spine at a time. And my Facebook page is just my name, Gwen Miller. I also have a secondary Facebook page, it's Gwen Miller Studio, but I'm actually just active on the Gwen Miller Facebook page. Yeah. Maybe there's a way that you could create a, a pre-order field on your Facebook page. And then people could just go, because people, I don't know. I mean, I know from my own, I'm learning from my own redesign of my website the website is sort of the hub, but people mostly are, it's either IG or FB, right? Right, right. That's so maybe there's I... a way that you could have this, uh, a pre-order something and people, I can't imagine after listening to you that people aren't going to just want your book and are willing to pay for it right now. Well, maybe you're going you. to sign the first hundred or something. Great idea. I'll talk to my website guy about it. I will. Yes. That's, that's a great idea. And your website God. again, your website again is? GwenMillerStudio.com. And then the other one that isn't alive yet is the Dynamic Spine one? The Dynamic Spine is the teacher training course. You can access information about that on my GwenMillerStudio.com website. The safe movement for all spines.com are the video clips for the book. That one is, is behind the scenes. We're getting the uh, content together for that. All right. So exciting. Aren't you excited? <laughs> I'm excited I'm for you. <laughs> totally excited. Totally. Well, this is your life's work, giving birth to my life's work. Exactly. And the main thing is that, you know, you reach a certain point and realize that there's only so many people I personally can help. So my goal is to empower, if you will, the next generation of teachers or this generation of teachers so that we can together help so many more individuals. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for your time today, Gwen. And my pleasure. I think you better come back after the book is out so we can talk about it again. Okay. And then I'll have it in front of me so I can answer your specific questions about what are the symptoms of Ehlers-Danlos. But if you do have, if you are a person right now who has been a long time searching for answers to symptoms that don't seem to make sense, try going on to the Ehlers-Danlos Society website and look at that spell it e-h-l-e-r-s hyphen d-a-n-l-o-s 
Okay. And it's a website. You can Google that and you'll find the website. And they have a lot of information about, you know, the all the comorbidities, they call it, that go along with hypermobility uh, and Ehlers-Danlos. All right. Great information. Thank you again, Gwen. My pleasure, Darian. It's always fun to chat. All Things Pilates is produced, edited, and hosted by me, Darian Gold. Mastered audio mix by Fabian Romero. Theme music, Soul Blues Piano Shuffle by BoomZoom. Without a strong and stable spine, the body compensates and creates all kinds of faulty movement patterns. This got me thinking about our emotions and how they might affect the wellness of our spines. Do you think that confidence or lack thereof might be another reason why our spines might or might not be strong and stable? As always, I remain in awe of Joe's work, and I look forward to being with you again in a couple of weeks for another episode of All Things Pilates.